Everyone all right? It's episode two in season two. Welcome to Terrifying and Twisted. It's me, Carla. And it's me, Phil. How is everybody? We're just plodding, like usual. Plodding, plodding, plodding. Not much to report. Weather's been shite, hasn't it? Weather's been shit. His team lost 3-0. <sighs> yeah, they did. God, that put a right cloud on night, that did. <laughs> Didn't it? But uh, we figured out something cool overnight that people are listening to this podcast in over 50 countries. Yeah, we did. And we went through and named them all, didn't we? We saw every single country. It, it was quite shocking. I'm blown away by that. I think yeah. it's proper cool. So, TV. TV. Um, <clears throat> so, first we've got Rules of the Game on BBC iPlayer. That was the sexual assault case yes, in the was. workplace. Yeah. So probably about a six out of ten. I thought that it were a bit slow, wasn't it? Yeah. Next, I got uh, the film Nobody on Sky Movies. We recommended that to a few people, haven't really we? Really good. Nine out of ten. Then we've got My Son on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I remember watching it at first thinking, where's this going? And then I think... Were it Lee that had a conversation with us that said as soon as that bracelet come into it, mm. it just went to another level, didn't it? So I'd say mm, six and a half out of ten. Yeah. Uh, then next we've got Puppet Master on Netflix, which the Puppet Master met the Tinder swindler. Fuck look yeah. like a part-timer. Yeah. 100%. However, the Tinder swindler, if you haven't watched it, watch it. I don't know how anyone can't have watched it yet because the fucking memes on social media are hilarious. Yeah. 8 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, Puppet Master, yeah, 8 out of 10. Uh, then we've got The Bay, Series 3 on ITV, that were a bit meh. Yeah. 5 out of 10. Afterlife on love, Netflix, Series love 3. Love it. Love it. 9 out of 10. 9? Yeah. Why a 9? Someone's got to be absolutely excellent yeah to blow you away um i watched if you're into italian mafia i watched um a series called gamora on sky atlantic absolutely brilliant if you can watch subtitle stuff so highly recommend it your daily fucking life subtitles <laughs> yeah uh then next we've got the responder on bbc yes. martin freeman yeah completely different from his normal roles roles and he played it amazing i thought yeah really good i'd say mm, eight and a half out of ten then next we've got the sleepwalker on sky crime oh yeah we had a debate about this didn't we yeah highly recommend that eight out of ten i do want to know though sleepwalking murder while sleepwalking is it really possible? Me and you couldn't um, 
conclude, could we, Philip? No. And then we watched something different on Sky Documentaries, The Alpinist. Right, so this is a little bit of me and you that not many will know, but to say we're so fucking unfit at minute, we actually really enjoy hiking, don't we? Yeah. Um, and like going up mountains and we're like watching things, We especially Everest and stuff like that. Yeah, Everest, K2, I don't like that. Because we, we watched the 14 peaks, didn't we? Yes, we did. That were another good thing if you're into that sort of... If you're into hiking and stuff, 14 Peaks were good. Was that Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Yeah, that were good. So, yeah, so me and Phil actually quite enjoy doing that when we're on it. Um, but we've never watched... Well, I'm not going to say much more, but we've never watched one that ended like that. Yeah. And we were we were shocked, weren't we? It's about a kid called Mark andre Leclerc, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, really young kid, isn't he? Yeah, but, 23 years old. And it's about soloing up mountains. Nine out of ten. Yeah, we really enjoyed that. So, and it's your case first this week, Philip. It is, Carla. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so, <clears throat> my case this time is about a couple called Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom. Shannon was 21 years old, Chris was 23 years old. Shannon was doing sociology at university and Chris was a tradesman and apparently a really, really good baseball player. They'd not been dating long, but they're in love. Okay. On the night of January 6th, 2007, Shannon and Chris went out for a romantic meal together, but they didn't make it home. They planned on a meal and going to a friend's party when they had stopped for a kiss. This is where it all went wrong. Shannon and Chris ended up getting carjacked. Now, there's Shannon and Chris in this case, and there's also five other people involved in this case. Which, after car- after this carjacking, concluded at a house on Chipman Street, Knoxville, Tennessee. First was Latelvis Cobbins, then there was Lamaricus Davidson, George Thomas, Eric Boyd, and Vanessa Coleman. Right, so, January 7th. A worker found a body near the railway truck. Railroad. Blah, 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 blah. January 7th. <laughs> a worker found Chris's body near the railway. My fucking Fuck God. <laughs> January 7th. A worker found Chris's body near the railway tracks. <laughs> it had been sexually assaulted. It was barefoot. It'd been shot in the back of the head, in the neck and in the back from a twenty-two cal pistol. His face was covered and he'd been set on fire. Poor fucking bloke. January 8th, Chris's family, while helping police search, found Shannon's car near Chipman Street. The vehicle was searched, leading to the discovery of fingerprints belonging to a suspect. Investigators identified as Lamaricus Davison. Investigators discovered that Davidson owned a rental property on Chipman Street. January 9th, Shannon's body was found in a trash can at Davidson's rental property, located at 2316 Chipman Street, two blocks away from where the vehicle was found. She had been raped and bleach had been sprayed into her mouth to destroy evidence. Officials said a suspect identified as Davidson broke her neck a medical examiner says she was wrapped in plastic bags and dumped in a trash can where she suffocated. 
January 11th, authorities found two suspects, Latelvis Cobbins, brother to Davidson, and his friend George Thomas, at a home in Lebanon, KY. Later that same day, Knoxville found Lamericus Davidson at home on Reynolds Street. January 12th, investigators served a fourth suspect, Eric Boyd, with a federal warrant. Five suspects were involved, as I've just said. Lamaricus Davison, Latalvis Cobbins, George Thomas, Vanessa Coleman, who is Cobbins' girlfriend, and Eric Boyd. Now, before I want to go any further, <clears throat> these all turned on each other. Right, okay. The police had the cell phone data, they had fingerprints, and they all pled not guilty. Now, before I go any further, one of them took the stand... And it's not often you'll get people like this that'll take the stand. It's about 25 minutes long. Right. If you want to cut in, just put your hand up and then I'll pause it. All right. <clears throat> so get your brew ready. Yeah, make yourself comfortable. Right, so I'll be, before I start the YouTube video, it's basically said... Latelvis Cobbins is that he's gone down to see his brother after his brother's got out of prison. Yeah. Right. This is his version of what happened that day. Because he used to date her um, her cousin. That's how he know the girl. So I'm like, all right, all right. So as he's telling me about the girl, my brother is in the passenger seat and he's rolling up a wet blunt. Well, let me explain what a wet blunt is. Um, it's when someone pulls embalming fluid on weed and let it dry, and then rolled it up in a blunt. <laughs> so he's rolling up a wet blunt, but I didn't know it was a wet blunt at the time. So I'm just thinking it's a regular blunt. We, we smoke blunt. weed all the time. Never. So he uh, rolls up the blunt, he lights it, takes a few pulls off of it and passes it to me. I'm smoking, and they're both telling me about this girl that they want me to meet. So I noticed the blunt tasted kind of funny, but I just thought it was the flavor of the cigar. I didn't think, it, I didn't think nothing of it. So it's, it's, it's around dark now, it's dark now, and we pull into some apartments. So we're riding around the apartments, and we, we done rolled around about twice. I'm like, what's, what's going on? Why y'all riding around the apartments? So he's like, man, it's been a while since I've been to her, to her crib. I got to remember which one is her crib. So let's see, I know we pull, he, uh, we pull back in a parking spot. He's like, that, that's her apartment right up there. So... We pull back, he puts the car in park, but he never turns the car off. He puts it in park, he looks at my brother, and they both jump out of the car. They run right in front of where we just parked to this white SUV. I noticed um, at the SUV, it was a girl sitting in a driver's side, and a guy standing at the driver's side, the door is open, and they're um, hugging or kissing or something. So my brother and E, they carjack these people, and... I get out of the car, man, what 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 y'all doing? What what's going on? What y'all doing? So they pull out, he said, Man, follow us. I said, Man, what are y'all doing? I'm finna go back to the house. I don't want nothing to do with it. Y'all tripping, man. Y'all tripping. He was like, Man, we finna go back to the house. We're going back to the house. Just follow us. You don't know where you're going, just follow us. So I said, Man. So I get back in the car and I'm and I'm not knowing what's what to do, what's going on. So I'm not familiar with Knoxville. So I said, man, all right, I'm going to follow y'all. I'm going, We're going back to the house, right? He said, yeah, we're going to the house. Just follow us. So I followed them back to the house. They parked. 
the house is here. The street goes down this way. They park in front of the house. I pass them in the white car and park like three houses down across from this girl named Rhonda Dukes, who buys drugs from my brother. I park across the street from her house. I start walking back up towards the house. The white SUV is facing in the area that I'm coming from. So I can tell that it's movement going on inside the truck, but it's dark and they don't have the light on inside the truck. So I don't know what's going on, but I can tell it's some movement going on. So I walk past the, the truck, goes into the, um, go into the yard, run up to the door. Boom, 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 beat on the door. Giovanni, we call him G. Giovanni comes to the door. Like, man, you being like you the police. What's going on? What, what's up? He looked past me like, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice truck. Nice ride. Who, who ride that is? I said, man, you don't even want to know, man. These folks is tripping. He like, what you mean? I said, man, they just carjacked these people, man. They just carjacked these people, man. I don't know, man. They tripping, man. They tripping. I said, look, forget that. Just go and get some stuff. Get, get, get a few things. Man, we got to get up out of here. Um, this is not the place to be right now. We got to get up out of here. Where, where Vanessa at? Man, she back there asleep. I said, man, all right, we got to get up out of here. He's like, man, what happened? I said, man, it don't even matter what happened. We got to get up out of here. So as I'm telling him all of that, my brother walks in with the girl. He, he got her by her arm, and he's put his hoodie over her, and the uh, the hood of the the hood is over her head. Her, her eyes are blindfolded with a um, bandana, and he comes in. Every boy comes in behind him holding the guy. The girl has got a, a bandana around her eyes and her hands bound in front of her. Um, he comes in with the guy holding his arm. I noticed the guy has a bandana around his around his eyes and his hands are tied behind him. So I look at George. I look back at them and I, I nodded at George like, like, go ahead and start getting your stuff. So my brother looked at me. Then he looks at Eric like, yeah, go ahead and do that. I said, man, y'all tripping, man. Dude, dude, what is y'all doing? Y'all tripping. He's like, man, whatever. So as E and the guy turns to leave out of the door, I leave out of the, that whole little scene happening in the little sunroom. So I leave out of there, going through the living room, through the kitchen, back to the back bedroom where me and Vanessa slept. I went back there to wake her up. George is uh, grabbing his things. I wake her up. Man, Vanessa, wake up. Um, Get your stuff. Get your clothes on. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta leave. We gotta get up out of here. She was like, baby, what's wrong? What, what's going on? I said, don't worry about that. Just grab some of your stuff. We gotta get up out of here. You know what I'm saying? My brother and them, they tripping. They just done some shit, man. We just, just get your stuff together. And we got, don't let my brother know what you're doing. We gotta get up out of here. So as I'm telling her this, my brother calls me to the living room. As I come in the living room, I notice the girl. I come through the door of the living room. I notice the girl is sitting here against the wall with the, um, the hood is off of her now. I noticed the blindfold is pulled down. It's hanging around her neck. Um, the, the room, the living room was dark, the light was off. The only light in the, in the, in the, the living room was the TV from um, the DVD, the, the blue light shining from the TV. So I couldn't really tell if her hands were still bound, but to me, I think they were, I think her hands were still bound. So I go into the living room What's up? What's going on, man? What's good? He was like, man, go get me some water out of the out of the kitchen. So I go get the water. I bring it back to him. I said, man, y'all tripping, man. Y'all tripping. He like, man, nah, don't, don't even worry about it. Don't worry. I said, man, y'all, come, come I got to talk to you, man. You tripping. He was like, all right, hold on, hold on. So he gives the girl the water. 
She drinks it. Give him, give him the cup back. He gives me the cup. He said, hold on, just hold on. I go back into the kitchen, put the cup in the sink, just just stand there like, man, it's, man, I don't know what's going on. They the tripping. So as I'm standing there, I'm starting to feel the effects of that wet blunt because I've never, I never did that. My brother has done it before. He's tried to get me to do it. I'm like, if it ain't regular weed, I don't want it. So I'm, I'm starting to feel real ill, real sick. So then he comes into the kitchen. He's like, yeah, what's up? I said, man, y'all tripping, man. Man, what, what is you doing, man? Do you even know what you doing, man? Don't, man, you tripping. He's like, nah, nah, I got this, man. I got this, man. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got this. I said, man, how you got it, man? You, you just contact these folks and brought them back to your crib, man. You, you tripping, man. That, that's dumb. That's dumb. That's stupid. He was like, man, I, I got this, man. I, got, I said, man, look here. Don't have the police come looking for me over some stuff you done did, man. Don't know. He said, man, I got If the police do get involved, I'll take my charge. I done been to the penitentiary before. It ain't nothing. I'll take my charges. I said, you better. I said, man, and, and I think that's, that's, real, that's real effed up about, you know what I mean, how y'all got me out there, man. When you, why you lie to me like that? He was like, Shh, I knew if I told you what we was going to do, you wouldn't going to come. So that's the only way I can get you out there to tell you, you know, about the girl I've been telling you about. I said, man, that's, that's messed up, bro. I'm supposed to be your brother, dude. you supposed to tell me, man, don't worry about it. I got this, man. You sound like a little girl. You want purses or makeup? I said, man, whatever, dude, whatever. I walked out. I went back into the back bedroom where we were, um, George and Vanessa were. He goes back into his room. So I said, y'all y'all ready? Y'all got y'all stuff together? He said, um, G said, man, this is crazy, man. This is crazy. So Vanessa, uh, Vanessa said, man, baby, what, what's going on? You you don't look right. What's going on? I said, man, they gave me one of them wet blunts, and I, I don't feel good. I just want to get up out of here. So she said, what happened? I started telling her what happened, how they carjacked the people. So then my brother screamed, hey, hey, Ron, hey, Ron, what y'all back there doing? Man, y'all making me paranoid. Matter of fact, oh, everybody come in the living room. Everybody come in the living room. I look around at them. I said, man, come on, y'all. So we go in the living room. My brother comes out in the living room. What y'all back there doing? Y'all too quiet. Y'all too quiet. You know, I get paranoid when he gets too quiet. What's going on? I said, man, we be asking you what's going on. You the one tripping. You want to contact these people. Nah, man, I told you I got this, man. Why, why you still tripping, man? I said, man, you tripping, man. You got, you got all us involved in this, man. You tripping. Man, look, man. I said, you know what? We finna go. We ain't got nothing to do with this. We finna go. You do do what you do. We ain't gonna, we ain't gonna tell on you, man. You gonna end up getting caught yourself. So just, we finna go. Nah, nah. Ain't nobody going nowhere. Ain't nobody going nowhere. What you mean? Ain't nobody going up. We finna go, dude. You ain't talking about nothing. We finna go, nah, nah. He pulled his gun out of his pocket. He he didn't point it at nobody, but he just pulls it out. I'm like, dang, bro, you gonna you gonna kill me now? You 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 pull your gun on me? You gonna kill me now? I'm your bro. You gonna kill me? Nah, I ain't gonna kill. You. I ain't, but I will shoot your ass. But I ain't, I ain't gonna kill. You. George, you know I don't like you anyway. I'll shoot you. And Vanessa, don't make me shoot your little pretty butt. So I'm like, man, y'all 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 sit down, man. Y'all sit down. So he, he told us we couldn't go nowhere or whatever. I said, man, look, we just finna go. He like, wait, wait, you ain't got nowhere to go. You don't know nobody. I said, man, we can walk to Vince's house. We can go to Vince's house. So, oh, you want to go to Vince's house, huh? All right. I, I'll take you to Vince's house. Just hold on. I, I'll take you over to Vince's Nah, you don't need to take us nowhere, bro. You tripping. You you, you, you gone off that off that wet blunt, man. You tripping. Man, look, I'm going to take you to Vince's crib. Just just chill out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you to Vince's crib. 
just hold on. I said, man, I ain't got no choice. You can pull your gun down, say you gonna shoot people. I ain't got no choice but to sit down. He said, you damn right. So I sit down. He goes back into his, in his room. He gets on the phone. He's walking back and forth from his bedroom through the living room to the kitchen, back and forth to his bedroom. Me, um, Giovanni, we're sitting in the two chairs by the um, by the kitchen door. Vanessa, she's sitting on the floor crying, saying she don't know, she don't understand what's going on, sitting on the floor crying. I said, baby, it's going to be all right. Stop crying, stop crying, it's going to be all right. So my brother has a, a credit card in his hand. He's walking back and forth through the house with a credit card in his hand. So G gets up, goes into the kitchen, sits at the table, start rolling a, a, a blunt of weed. Me and Vanessa goes into the kitchen and sit at the table. That's where we usually sit at and smoke weed, sit around the table and smoke weed. So Vanessa said, hey, baby, um, smoke this blunt, see if it'll make you feel better. Maybe it'll help you calm down. I said, no, nah, I, I think it'll make it worse. She said, nah, just, just, just take a few pulls, just calm down. I said, all right, so I took a few pulls off the, off the blunt, but it didn't do nothing to make me feel worse. Didn't take much convincing, did it? No, so, well, all through this, all I thought is, comes to the kitchen door. it hadn't took you a lot of convincing oh, to do any of this. You ain't gonna smoke with me? I can't, I can't hit the blunt? I can't hit the blunt? So, George handed him the blunt. He takes the blunt. He said, my fact, come here, I need to holler at you anyway. I look up. He said, not you. I'm talking to G. Come here, G, let me holler at you right quick. G look at me. He gets up, they go into the living room. I can hear my brother saying, look, no, I don't trust you. So you got to do something for me to trust you. You, you, you got to do something, to, you know what I mean, so I can trust you. You got to earn my trust. Him and George had got into it previously about a few days before that. And um, he had pushed you up against the wall or whatnot. So I could tell G was kind of scared of him. So um, G was like, all right. Alright, I, 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 so about five, ten minutes later, G and um, my brother leave. While they're gone, the girl is still in my brother's room. Vanessa, Vanessa's um, she's telling me her stomach is hurting. So she, she gets up and goes to the bathroom. Tell her that I'm finna go and check on the girl. She, as I, I go and check on the girl, ask her, is she okay? She asked me, could she get some water? I brought her some, some water out of the refrigerator. When I went into the room, she's laying on the air mattress with her hands bound over her head. She's laying on her back. Her hands are tied, still stop tied like this, and, um, tied to a, a duffel bag full of free weights and books and stuff. Same thing with her with her feet. She her ankles are tied and um it's tied to a, a, a duffel bag. It's, it's tied to a duffel bag with weights and books in it. So I un, I untied her hands. Well I didn't untie her hands. I untied the the string that was going to the duffel bag. I untied it so she could sit up and drink the water. I gave her the water. She drank the water like that. She asked me what's going on. I said, I don't know. She asked me where her boyfriend is. I said, I don't know. She asked me, could she smoke a cigarette? Her cigarettes 
and her purse was sitting on the bookshelf behind me. I could see a, a pack of red and white Marlboros uh, on the book stand. I said, I don't see why not. I took a cigarette out, lit it for her, and gave it to her. She asked me, why, why, why were we doing this? I told her, it's not me. I, I don't, it's not me. It's not me. I don't have anything to do with this. Matter of fact, we're being held here under against our will just like you are. The only difference is that you're tied up and we're not. So she started asking me, she started asking me, um, would I convince him to let her go? I said, I'll try. She said, just please, uh, uh, just please. She said, please, can you can, can you just convince him to let me go? I said, I'll try. And she said, I'll do, I'll do anything, sure just please, just let me go. I'm letting her go, if I'm all honest with you. But she, she even offered oral sex. So, Don't tell me. And she, I had her give me oral sex. She gave Fuck me oral sex. Fuck off. No. As um, I, as I started to ejaculate, I heard a noise outside, and I heard Vanessa flushing the toilet. So I got spooked. I jumped up, fixed my clothes. As I ejaculated, it got on her shirt and some I fixed my I fixed myself, I fixed my clothes. I put her back like I found her. And went back into the living room and sat down. Vanessa came out of the bathroom. We sat there on the floor. Just sat there looking stupid. A few minutes later, Slim, my brother, George, both of them come back. They come back in. George was looking crazy. My brother came in, went back to his bedroom. George came in, went to the back, then sat back at the, t at the kitchen table. Um, we sat back at the table. All three of us, me, George, and Vanessa, sat back at the table. About 15 to 30 minutes later, my brother came and got George, and they left again. This time, me and Vanessa just sat there in the living room. Just sat there. Just sat there looking stupid. So, my brother and him, they come back. It's been about an hour and a half to two hours. The first time they left, they was only gone for like 45 minutes to an hour. This time they came back, it had been an hour and a half to two hours. When they come back, they, they both had on dark clothes. So you can't really tell what it is, but um, you can see a dark stain 
on, on George's clothes and dark stains on my brother's clothes. George went to the back and changed clothes. And um, my brother changed clothes as well. Um, soon after that, every boy came over. Every boy came over and um, my brother came out in the living room. They talked for a minute and the both of them went back in his in his bedroom. A few minutes later, my brother comes out and says, all right, come on, I'll take you out of the fence house. So we, um, we all go out and get into the SUV. We ride, we go to the store first. My brother went and got some cigarettes and some cigars. And um, we go to some apartments. I said, man, what, what you doing? Thought you were taking us to the fence house. He was like, yeah, I gotta check on something right quick. Hold on, hold on. So he gets out, goes, knocks on the door. Some girl comes to the door. He talks to the girl for a minute. Then we get back in, he get back in the car and we all, we all go to Vince's crib. Vince wasn't there. So we all came back to the house. We came back to the house. Every boy, he left the house. When he came back, he didn't have the guy with him. So I didn't know where the, where the guy was. I didn't know what, what happened to him. Um, when we was younger, my brother would always tell me stories about how him and his friend carjacked somebody or whatever and took him to the ATM and um, made them withdraw money and left them tied up somewhere, but he never did nothing to them. So my assumption was they, they got the guy tied up somewhere, but I didn't think they, they did anything to him. So um, Eric leaves the house. And we all just sit there looking stupid. My brother goes back into his room. He, um, my brother keeps the back, the back door. He got a deadbolt lock that you can only open with a key. He keeps that lock at all times. And um, the windows, he got nails in the windows where you can open it, but it'll only open like that far. So um, me, George, and Vanessa went to the back room talking. I'm in the back room or whatever. That's the end of Saturday night going into Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, um, pimping, the guy named Pimpin that gets um, drugs from my brother, he came over to get some drugs from my brother, but um, I don't know if he got any or not. He didn't come, he didn't, he didn't stay at the house long, so I don't think he got anything. Um, Time goes past, time goes past. Sunday night, um, my brother's girlfriend, Daphne, comes over. He's called on the phone and told her to come get her things. So she comes over. I didn't, I didn't really, I had forgot that she came over because I didn't really look up at her. I didn't, I didn't speak to her or nothing like that, so. I, I forgot she even came over. So um, they get into an argument. She leave. 
my um my brother gave some things to Vanessa and said that it was Daphne's stuff. And since she didn't want it, if Vanessa wanted it, she could have it, or he was just gonna throw it away. Which come to find out, it wasn't Daphne's. It was Miss 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 Christian's. Fucking unbelievable. Um, Sunday night, he um he brings the girl out of out of his room, and I noticed that she didn't have any clothes on from the waist down, no shoes on, no socks. He takes her into the kitchen. As he has her in the kitchen, me and Vanessa and George, he make all of us come in the kitchen in the back um, utility room, make us stand there for a minute. So as we're all standing there, he um, puts his hand around, he puts his arm around the girl neck, tries to kill her, tries to choke her. He lets her go when she falls. <sighs> she falls to the floor. We're, we're all thinking that he's he didn't he didn't kill that girl. I said, man. What are you doing, man? You tripping. So at this point, it wasn't even no talking to him. He was just, just like a madman. He was just crazy. So I'm not knowing what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bad because I didn't got, I didn't brought my, my girlfriend and my best friend down here. And now we're all caught up in this, 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 this madness. That's what I, I don't want anything to happen to them. I don't want anything to happen to me either. So I didn't, I didn't do nothing to stop it. I didn't do anything to stop it. Um, when she, when the girl was on the floor, my brother waved his gun at Vanessa, made her come and check the girl's pulse. And Vanessa said, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So then my brother gets mad puts the gun to her head and says, you better know, you better check it and find out, you better know. So Vanessa starts crying. She says, I don't know, I don't know. I, I can't tell, I'm not a nurse, I don't know what to do, I don't know. So he looked at me, I said, man, I'm not, I'm not doing nothing. You might well shoot me right now, I'm not doing nothing. He said, man, what, what, what? He looks at me and then looks at Vanessa and, man, well, get this bitch out of here then. Take her in the, in, in the other room. I said, man. So at that point, I'm like, okay, this, this is our chance. This is our chance to escape. We can get out of here. So I said, come on, George. We going to the living room. She said, nah. George, you stay in here. You, you stay in here with me. I said, man. So we went in the living room and sat there. Vanessa's crying. I'm holding her, telling her to stop crying. My brother ties the girl up. In a, in, in a fetal position 
so he did tie the girl up. the girl up, put her in the, in, in the garbage can, made all of us go in the back room, he got, on, he got, on, got back on the phone, so that was early, early Monday morning, so that was Sunday night, Monday morning. The, the, the mid hours. He, um, as it started to get daylight, I say around, honestly, I don't know what time it was, but it, after it got daylight, he left. Then when he did leave, and the three of us were there, I said, Come on, y'all, let's go. We got a bad. And that's basically his version of events. <clears throat> I know it's quite long, but although I do think he's lied in a lot of that, I do think there's some elements of truth in it. Oh, yeah. I definitely think there's elements of truth, but I think it's been turned to so, make him, his girlfriend and his mate look innocent. Yeah. And I don't believe that's the case at all. And I'm sorry, but... The fact that you even offered a fucking blowjob from her. You've just fucking completely made yourself look like an absolute arse, mate. It's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. Disgusting. So, they all pled not guilty. Uh, the state struggled to find impartial jurors because 95% had heard about this They were massive, case. yeah. They had to get uh, jurors in from other counties. George Boyd got 18 years for helping... Davidson Hyde, which is the ringleader. Yeah. He got 18 years accessory after the fact. Cobbins, which is the kid we've just heard, I think. Yeah. So he's the brother. Yeah. He's the one who took the stand. He got life without parole. Uh, Davidson, the ringleader, got sentenced to death. God. And I think it was Eric Thomas got life without parole. And Coleman, uh, Vanessa Coleman, she portrayed herself as a bit of a victim, but she still got 53 years. Yep. Now, at the time, there were loads of protests about this because it were a, a young white couple that were murdered by five black people. So yeah. People jumped all over it like they usually do. And apparently there were a lot of protests about it. They all appealed the convictions and... A side note, the judge that sentenced them was involved in a drug scandal. Richard Tom Gartner admitted that he was on Xanax on the bench. Right. And 2013 got caught lying in court. So when he stepped down, he had not yet fulfilled his role in these convictions. So someone by the name of John Blackwood, another judge, ordered new trials for the four. June 2012, uh, Walter Kurtz is the new judge. June 2012, 
denies retrial for Cobbins, who we've just heard yeah. from, and his brother, saying that there's too much evidence on them both. Vanessa Coleman got 35 years, and Eric Thomas got life with parole after 51 years. Right, okay. And that's pretty, that's pretty much it. I cannot... Well, it's not pretty much, is it? It's fucking awful, and... I just didn't want to completely have loads of information plus the half an hour testimony. I think it yeah. would be a bit much. No, I think that te- testimony were uh, worth a listen. I'm just shocked. You know, up until the part, up until the point of him saying that she offered oral sex, I saw a on verge of, maybe this, is, maybe this could be legit, maybe he's just being fucking roped into it. His brother obviously had form yeah he'd already been done time for carjacking yeah. and stuff yeah so maybe he genuinely had just sort of got caught up in it but yeah as soon as you accepted that blow job you completely fucked yourself mate i hope it was uh worth it just an awful case yeah like putting her in trash bin the fact that she want dead yeah and then she's obviously suffocated aren't she yeah so I will jump straight into mine, which is going to be the Lynn and Megan Russell murders. Now, there's been absolutely fucking loads of hype about this case this past few weeks, and you'll understand why when I get to end of it. But So we've got the Russell family. We have got Sean and Lynn, who are the parents, who then went on to have two daughters, which were Josie and Megan. Sean was a university professor. Both him and Lynn had the PhDs. So they were a pretty smart family in medical profession. I couldn't find the exact date, but in 1987 is when they had their first daughter, Josie. And they basically started their family life in Northern Wales. So Josie was described as being really outgoing, bubbly personality, very likeable. Everyone said that she was actually very much like her mum. Then in 1990, they went on and had Megan. She was complete polar opposite. She was quiet one, reserved one. The girls had a really good childhood. They lived in Wales. They lived in a very nice, quiet area. Yeah, lots of countryside and stuff like that. But in 95, they ended up moving for work and they moved to Chillington in Kent which again is a really small village it's sort of where everyone knows everybody and again surrounded by fields and country lanes and 9th of July typical busy morning Uh, Sean were going to work the girls were going to school they had a swimming competition and then they had brownies for after everyone was sort of rushing about doing usual morning routine Sean dropped the girls at school and then he went to work. Lynn decided that she was going to take the dog Lucy to meet the girls at the bus stop for when they finished school. So at around 20 past four, Lynn had met them both off bus and they were walking down a really quiet country lane towards home when a car drove past them. It were a little strange because it were really quiet and it won't often cars sort of went down that road. Bit like me this morning. So they sort of stepped to one side, let this car past, and Josie actually waved, assuming that it must be somebody they know, because everybody knew everybody. So as they carried on down this lane, 
they turned a corner and noticed that that same car was now parked up along the bottom of the lane. Then as they got closer, they noticed that a man had got out, went into his boot and took out an hammer. He approached them, demanding money from Lynn. She sort of explained that she didn't have anything on her, but her house was really close by, so she could go get him money if he want if he wanted it, as long as he didn't hurt them. But he obviously wasn't happy with this. Lynn sort of could tell that they were in trouble, which, amazingly, you stood in front of a gentleman with an hammer that's demanding money from you. I'd say you're in trouble. Definitely in trouble. So anyway, she asked Josie, she basically said to Josie, Ron, go get some hell. But he managed to grab her and he hit her over the back of the head with this hammer. He then grabbed all three of them and the dog and he led them into the wooded area just off this lane. He best not fucking kill this dog. He made them all sit down whilst he tied them up and he used... I said earlier they had a swimming competition, so the girls had the swim kit. He basically ripped a towel so he could tie them up and blindfold them. He then walked behind them and just unleashed this massive attack using said hammer. He hit Lynn 15 times in the head. He then turned to Josie and did same. She had severe wounds where even her brain tissue was showing. Fucking hell. He then went to Megan and again, completely the same, just blow after blow. Then before he left, he hit Lucy, the dog, in the head multiple times. You bastard. Before walking back to his car and driving away. There's, there's, oh, there's just something about someone getting attacked with a hammer that makes me... Ugh, shudder. Yeah. I think it'd be the noise. Yeah. Just awful. Oop, my phone. And the force. Yeah. So, this attack lasted about 15 minutes. Not far from the scene, this man was then spotted in a very agitated tay. Fucking hell. <laughs> in a very agitated... That was good, wasn't that? In a very agitated state. And he was messing about near some edges. It was later discovered that that's where he hid a bag which contained alt bits that he'd used in this attack. Including the hammer? No. Right. But like the straight, the, yeah, the rags that he'd um, ripped up. So it got to about half past seven that night and Sean had got home, but no one were in. He found it a bit odd, but he remembered that, you know, they had after school club, they were at Brownies. So he just started cooking tea, thinking they were running a bit late. About half past eight, house phone rang and it was a friend now, this friend was supposed to be picking them up at five o'clock to take them to Brownies. But when she got to their house, no one were there. So she just left. So she was ringing to basically make sure that everything were all right. Because they'd not turned up. They'd not turned up. So at this point, I think Sean obviously started to realise something were wrong. He decided that he were going to jump in car and drive along the road, which they would have walked down to see if he could see anything. But obviously, the attack had actually took place in wooded area and it's quite sad to think that he actually drove past the bodies not knowing that they were there yeah. when he were looking for them. I, found, I find that really sad. So he started ringing round, seeing if anybody knew anything, but nobody, nobody had seen him, no one had heard from him. So he decided to ring police station, ask if there'd been any sort of accidents or anything, nothing. So 
at 10 o'clock, that friend called back to see if there were any update, but with absolutely nothing to tell her, this friend and her husband decided, let's go have a drive about, see if we can see anything. Then Sean rang police back and explained everything that had sort of happened and that he couldn't find him. So they sent some officers to the house. Then by midnight, this massive search had started with loads of people out at community, this little village and stuff. Police basically told Sean to stay at home in case anybody came back and they would come back to him. At this point, it was about 1am. He was standing outside when two officers turned up. They asked him if they could go inside and they basically told him that three bodies had been found. Sean was then escorted to the local police station so they could try and build a picture of like what had been going on and where they were supposed to be and stuff. Timeline. Then at 6am that morning, an officer came in and basically explained that the attack had killed his wife and one of his daughters and the dog Lucy. But one daughter had survived. They couldn't tell which one. So they asked if he'd go to hospital to identify which daughter was still alive. I bet that were a long journey to hospital. Yeah, you can imagine, can't you? So as soon as he got there, he didn't even go in room. Apparently he just looked through glass and he knew straight away that it was Josie that were alive. Doctors explained that she had severe skull injuries and more than likely she, she would have brain damage. They weren't able to say if she'd even be able to talk or walk again if she did pull through. So at this point, she's on life support in intensive care. But only a month later, she were allowed home. She was discharged from hospital and they're allowed to go back home. Wow. She was still in a lot of pain and she couldn't talk properly, but... She were on mend? Yeah, she wow. were on mend. Now, I've listened to an interview with her dad and he basically said that he thinks until she got home and walked around the house and went in each room, it wasn't real that her mum and sister had been killed and what had happened to her. Yeah. Um, like a nightmare. Yeah. So it actually got to a point where they ended up moving back to Wales because Josie were really struggling in house. Obviously, her mum and sister have been killed. She's not obviously herself but she did go on to make this proper remarkable recovery i think it took nearly a year for her to be able to speak again but eventually she was able to and she tried to help police you know best that she could now obviously police wanted whoever had done this to be caught and and fast so it wasn't long before this were a massive story on every news channel the whole country knew about it it was huge the day after the murders the police obviously went back to crime scene to see what could be found forensically it didn't actually give them much they did find a boot lace but nothing ever come of it they obviously got this witness statement about the gentleman that saw the guy acting dodgy and that obviously led them to the bag which contained DNA from the girls, but there were no other DNA. The little bits of DNA that they did find, I think there were some on the shoelace, but there were quite a few, and nothing were a match on system. So they literally had nothing. Yeah. Then at some point in 97, the police decide with help from Josie that they were gonna do a reconstruction, and that was aired on TV. 
This then resulted in a tip-off from a member of the public, which then led to the arrest of a man of 37 years called Michael Stone. Now, Michael was one of five children that was in and out of the care system. From what I've read, he just had a really bad childhood, sexually abused. He had a criminal record from a very young age. He then became an heroin addict. He did short prison sentences for burglary and silly things in 80s and 90s. So... A lot. Yeah. Lock, stock, the fucking lock. So, in 1998, this trial starts for the murders of Lynn and Megan and the attempt murder on Josie. Michael denied any involvement and pled not guilty. What about killing a dog? Does that, does that not mm. bring charges? It should do, shouldn't it? Now, let's not forget that there were actually no forensic evidence connecting him to these murders. Only, <laughs> the only thing that they had on this guy was an alleged confession from another inmate who once shared a cell. Well, they're not... They're, ve- they're not reliable, yeah. they're not credible. So, but that is all they had, was this supposed confession. Yet, jury found him guilty. He were given three life sentences, which means he should be eligible for release next year, and he will be 63 years old. Michael appealed and was granted retrial in 2001 but he was again convicted so they must have had some evidence he has always denied any involvement in the murders right to, From, com- to convict him twice right i'm gonna get to that Soz, mate. <laughs> let me get to it from what i've seen and read there is no actual physical evidence that michael did this his conviction was based all around that one confession that apparently happened. Then a review in 2010 outlined that that prisoner couldn't be used as a credible source. And because they had no new ev- because no new evidence had come to light, they then put a ban on Michael being able to appeal any further. So he was basically told, that's it. You can't appeal your sentence. You've had a retrial. You're basically serving time for this. I'm not saying he had done it, but that just seems a bit dodgy. Now, what blows my mind out of all this, this is from 2006, 7, 8 onwards. We're talking 2010 this review happened. As I said, when I started introducing Michael, he were a known criminal. Yeah. He had done time in prison. They had his DNA on system. How would that not be a match? I don't understand how it was allowed. So you saying there's something dodgy. There's definitely something that's not. Well, yeah, because they haven't got no physical evidence tying in. Not that I'm a copper, not that I'm a fucking investigator. No, but the problem that they had is the only way that I could see them be able to retrial is if they could resample the DNA. Mm. that was found or maybe stuff that was put in this alleged confession wouldn't be known by anyone right other than the killer so 
the reason they couldn't do a new retrial and the reason they couldn't get no new evidence is because, of course, evidence went missing. So there was nothing left that could be retested DNA-wise. Now, that's important. Okay. Yes, miss. So I'm going to now jump to February 2017. I'm pretty sure, and if you don't know, then you should go have a look, but oh, he's not even... I'm not going to call him man. Levi Belfield, another serial killer, and obviously he was very well known for the Millie Dowler case, wasn't he? Now, February 2017, Levi Belfield decided that he was going to confess to these murders of Lynn and Megan, but when he were questioned, he then denied any involvement. Nothing ever were done about it. It sort of got brushed under carpet. Even though this alleged confession included details that only the person responsible would have known. But the police allowed it to just be brushed away. Quick conviction. It means admitting that they've... Fucked up. Fucked up and someone spent a lot of years in prison for something that they haven't done. But that's a different... Allegedly. Book. Allegedly. So... Another jump to last week, February 2022, and Levi Belfield once again has handed in a full written confession to the police. 26 years after killing Lynn and Megan, he's handed in a four page letter confession. When I had a look, you know the Le you know Levi Belfield case, don't you? Now, he knew the area, the way in which Lynn and Megan had been attacked and killed also fits in with how Levi did his attacks using a hammer. The E fit, which I want you to go have a Google, the E fit that was originally done in 96 is... Quite a resemblance, <laughs> let's just say, to Levi Belfield as well. Now, I've read an interview from a guy called Paul Bacon, who is Michael Stone's solicitor. He's basically spent the last 15 years trying to prove that Michael's innocent. He has also got this written confession, a copy of it. He believes it's genuine and he believes that the police need to bring him in an interview, Belfield. This obviously became breaking news. I decided to have a look at what were actually used to convict Michael in the first place, like we've just spoke about, right? Yeah. And I don't know how they found him guilty, but this is, and I'm not even lying, I am legit with you when I say this is the main argument of the prosecution. Mm -hmm. Right? You remember how I said the shoelace from the boot? Yeah was found at the scene, yeah. which eventually went missing so it couldn't be retested. Yeah. Michael Stone were an heroin addict and their their argument were that although there is no actual DNA on that bootlace that ties Michael to the scene, we know he's an addict and we know addicts use laces to gain access to veins. That could have been a lace from one of his many friends. Would they say that if they found a spoon? That's it. That is genuinely 
their fucking argument. Wow. Andy got convicted on that. Fucking wow. I think it's disgusting. Um, obviously. If, if, if he's done it. Yeah. But I'm not saying this Michael Stones is fucking a walking saint because he's definitely not. Like he's done previous in prison and he's done not very nice things. But... I'm just amazed that they got to put him in prison over a fucking shoelace that had nothing on it. Yeah. Honestly, that is, that is their main argument. So, of course, Stones' solicitor has now applied, appealed, no, applied. Yeah, so Michael's solicitor has now applied for his release um, to Crime com Commission and they're going to do a full investigation into this. That needs fucking sorting pronto. Yeah, well, they're going to do a massive investigation. Because if this Michael's innocent, you've took how many years off him? 26. Fucking hell. 26 years. Um, but I've got a million for each year. Fucking two, right. Now, I went and found a copy of this confession that Belfield's done. And I'm just going to read you this little bit so you can make your own mind up. I was wearing bright yellow marigold washing up gloves. I was holding the hammer in my right hand. In my car, I had a screwdriver, a lock knife, a hammer, marigold and a very long boot lace. My first intention was just to, just to attack Lynn, but I quickly changed my mind due to the screams from the children. I was quite worried that she would fight back to save them. So, that's a little snippet taken out of a confession from Belfield. Obviously, they can't release the full thing because if that ever gets released, then they're never going to be able to use it in court. Mm. Um, just like Downing Streets have blanked all theirs out. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that's been blanked out. But, but for anyone that's interested in that case, start fucking Googling. Start Googling. I would start with Levi and and listen to something with all his murders on the in the yeah, attacks that he did. He's an evil man, isn't he? Yeah, he's awful. Um but I know it's it's hard to think it, it's hard because I know that this Levi Belfield rumour has been going on for years, you know. Yeah. It and it always sort of pops its head up. But I think from what like all the latest I've got off that and the bits that I could see were all from Sky News. Um and obviously the interview that his solicitor's done. But yeah. Wow. That is not taking anything away from Paul Russell family because, you know, three people were attacked in an awful way and the family chuffing dog were killed. Yeah. So regardless who did it, they're still they need punishing, but I kind of feel like Michael was a very easy scapegoat. Yeah. We've already a criminal past, sort of a drain on society. That's awful to say, yeah. but as and Richard they, had called him they just went, Oh, easy win. Yeah. It shocks me that the Allegedly. Allegedly, but it shocks me but the only thing that they used were the fact that he was an addict and the fact that he would need a bootlace to get access to his vein. Well, Honestly it's nuts. Absolutely crackers. So I hope you've enjoyed episode two, season two. Please like us on social media. <laughs> Facebook, yeah. Terrifying and Twisted. We're on TikTok, Terrifying underscore Twisted. And uh, all that jazz. I think we're going to order ourselves some new cups, so we might put them on 
Facebook, see if anyone wants one. Yeah, with new design on. So, we'll love you and leave you. Peace out. See you there.